Advent is a Christian, Christian season of preparation for the nativity of Christ at Christmas. The name was adopted from Latin Adventus, coming or arrival, translating Greek parousia. And in the New Testament, this is the term used for the second coming. Advent. Advent. Preparation for the coming or the arrival of. We have the arrival of Christmas. We have the arrival of the time for worship today. And we also are thinking about his second coming, the arrival of his return when he comes again. One of these days, Jesus is going to appear. He's going to take his church, his bride, who waits for him out of this old world. What a, what a great day that's going to be. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. Praise God, it'll be worth it all anticipating preparation for the coming and the arrival of, the, of Jesus the second time. Praise God. Praise God. This morning I want to look at peace. Last Sunday we looked at hope. What a wonderful subject that was. Really, what a wonderful subject the word peace is. The reality of peace. Peace. Do you ever stop and think about peace? Let's, let's spend a little bit of time thinking about peace. Let's look at some antonyms. Do you know what an antonym is? Can you name some antonyms to peace or for peace? Antonyms. It's still a noun. Bustle. Does that fit? Commotion. I walked by a Sunday school class this morning on my way up here, and there was a lot of commotion in there. The teacher said that they, she already warned them to make sure everything was turned off. So if there's something that all of a sudden sounds off, you know, from one of these kids this morning, it came from downstairs. Commotion. I'm surprised we already haven't heard something. Antonyms to peace, hubbub. <laughs> Do you use that word very often? Hubbub. Here's a good one. Pandemonium. Pandemonium. That might be reserved for uh, Black Friday. That might be a good one there. Tumult, turmoil, unquietness, unrest, uproar. Antonyms to peace. You know, so many of these words that go against, or they're the opposites, or they're antonyms to peace, they, they are presented, they are seen, we can feel them during this season of peace. It's supposed to be a season of peace. What about some synonyms to peace? Calm. Calmness. Hush. Peacefulness, placidity, quiet, quietness, quietude, repose, restfulness, sereneness, serenity, still, stillness, tranquility. There's a lot of things that can disturb any of those synonyms to peace. 
sitting out on the tree stand in recent days, as so many of you have done as well, you probably heard a sudden chatter of a whole bunch of squirrels hustling and bustling and running to their tree, running to their nest, running to a little place of protection because a hawk flew into that area of the woods, disturbed the peace, disrupted the hush, the serenity, the calmness. A lot of things can disrupt the calm of peace. Sin has a way of being very much like that red-tailed hawk or whatever kind of a hawk it is that's trying to get a squirrel. Maybe it's a bobcat prowling around and all of a sudden the squirrels go berserk and run. The word peace itself means a state of tranquility or quiet. A state of tranquility or quiet, such as freedom from civil disturbance. Boy, don't we long for for peace in our culture, in our generation, in our country? In the last few years, we've seen a lot of disturbance. We've seen a lot of civil disturbance. There's Really not much quiet going on in our country in many respects. Peace is a state of tranquility or quiet such as freedom from civil disturbance. Or it's a state of security or order within a community provided for by law or custom. We long for peace, don't we? It's a cry of the heart. whether Whether you're aware of it or not, it's the cry of our heart for that kind of peace. Freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. Somebody said, I have been in perfect peace and contentment. Wonder where he lives. Peace. Freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. There's also the definition for peace that is harmony in personal relations. The dictionary that I looked at uses this sentence as a description. I'm surprised that they use this as a, as a description. I think it should have been changed to the other gender. The sisters are at peace with each other. Maybe some of you are nodding your head. No, that needs to stay with the sisters. doesn't really matter. Peace is harmony in personal relations. This is the one I want us to look at, though, because I believe this is the one that represents what we are looking at at Christmas and Jesus providing peace for us. Peace is an agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enmity. Hostilities between those who have been in a state or a position of enmity. If we go back to the time when Jesus walked this earth, walked this road, and he lived this life, there was, 
There's two people that are, that are uh, uh, figureheads in his life. Now, really realizing that these two figureheads are, are main figureheads approaching the death of, uh, and the end of his life, but, but still they're figureheads. We know them by their names of Herod and Pilate, and they, they had enmity between the two of them. But as it comes down to the end of the life of Christ, Luke records it in chapter 23 and verse 12, and Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. That's the English standard version if you didn't recognize it in the King James but I wanted to I wanted to get that that phrasing there they had been at enmity with each other but they became friends that day so they had peace didn't they they had an agreement even though it was probably an unspoken agreement there was not a signed agreement to end the hostilities that were between them because they had had a state of enmity that came to an end peace you can go back into the book of genesis and you you can find that that there was enmity between esau and jacob and then they came to the point where enmity came to an end. You can read all about it in Genesis chapter 32, 33, at least the ending of it in 33, I believe. The apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. There it is. Paul zeroes in on the importance and the need, as I looked at last Sunday night, the need for the coming of Christ. We find that Paul recognizes here in this passage, and he presents it to us, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Enmity. There are hostilities involved with enmity. There's, there is a bit of a war that is taking place of some kind, of some, with some kind of a nature to it in the way of a hostility when there are two parties and there's enmity between the two of them. And Paul lays it out here for us in this particular passage as we look at it, the realizing that enmity between us as a carnal mind and a heart that is carnal before God. And Jesus came to bring an end to that enmity, to that hostility between man and God. I like that. James, in the book, uh, in the book of James chapter number 4, he goes further to say not only the carnal mind as Paul suggested or stated in Romans 8, but James chapter 4 says that even the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Boy, that's really getting close. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So there's enmity between God and the spirit of this world. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? And so we come over to Luke chapter 2 and verse number 14. The angels begin to sing, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. How is it possible? 
How is it possible to have real true peace? It's because he came to give that peace. We find that in in, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 15. Listen. Having abolished, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, and the ending three words of that verse... The three words that end conclude that verse as he started out talking about the enmity that is between God and man. And he brings it down that Jesus in himself was giving us the peace that we need. So making peace. Making peace. Verse 16 and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Slain, there's that word again, enmity. An agreement to end hostilities between those who have been in a state of enmity. Peace between man and God. That's the best piece. They just sang the greatest story ever told. The, the best piece is that peace that comes when the enmity between your soul and God has been abolished, has been rid of. Peace has been made. It's the most valuable peace. It's the deepest of peace. Because when God gives us peace, when we receive peace, when we have peace with God, then even in the midst of all of the chaos that this world may present us and throw us into, the one who has peace with God has real peace. Because his peace gives us calm even in the midst of the storm. Now we're talking about peace at Advent. Advent, the coming of the Christ, the coming of the time for worship, the coming of the second time when Jesus will appear the second time. So as we think about peace, we we would have to realize that peace is presented in the form of the infant Jesus to reconcile man to God. When Jesus came as that infant, glory to God in the highest and on earth, here is peace. It's also offered, peace is also offered to man in the midst of the chaos of this present world so that while it storms around us, we can have peace within And then peace that will ultimately be revealed in the final outcome as Christ returns and and sin is abolished, sin is banished. Almost feel like bursting in song. What a day of rejoicing that'll be. 
you and I cannot quite fathom what it's like not having sin or ever present because we're so, it's so common. We're so used to it. It's just a part of life all around us. And while we have peace in our heart through the salvation that Christ brings, the reconciliation to God that Jesus presents to us, there's still storms raging around us. And it's all caused because of sin. But in the end, God's peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. My peace I give unto you. That's the message. That's part of the message of Christmas, that Jesus gives us peace in the midst of the storm. Peace with God. So there's no longer enmity between my heart and the heart of God, your heart and the heart of God, as we receive his gift of the child, Christ. I'm talking about peace this morning. I'm going to leave this with you right here. What about peace in our lives? What about peace in our lives? How does it affect our relationship to others? Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. This is application time. The Christmas story isn't just a big story for us to celebrate and talk about and give gifts to each other and to receive and, and to have big meals and lots of food and lots of celebration, but it also has application time. What is the purpose of Christmas? What is the purpose of this peace and how does it affect our relationships? As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, this in this verse right here, Romans chapter 12, verse 18, sets a standard. God is setting a standard for us in the realm of peace in our relationships with people. And if this standard is set and we can hear God's voice speaking, then it might be a cause for corrections in our lives. In my life, in your life, live peaceably with all men. We can go over to Hebrews chapter number 12 in a very familiar verse, very familiar passage. We've heard it. I've heard it all of my life. Memorized it without memorizing it because I've heard it so many times. Follow peace with all men. Follow peace with all men. Now let's just stop and take a look at that word follow because that word follow has been used a number of times in Scripture, a number of times in the New Testament. And, and some, of that, uh, some of those times, at least one of those times, stands out to me as a little bit of a problem. So let's take a look at that word follow. What does the word follow mean when he said follow peace? Does the word follow in follow peace have the same meaning that Matthew uses when he wrote in chapter 26 and verse 58 that Peter followed afar off? Jesus was on his way to the high priest's house for this 
fiasco of a judgment, this fiasco of a trial, whatever was taking place, however you want to term it. And in that scenario, we find that Peter followed afar off. The word follow in Matthew means to accompany. It means to be in the same way with someone. My wife and I have kind of remarked and and smiled a little bit as we have seen little Carson paddling around after me in the garage or in the yard, going here, going there. He just just follows me. He just kind of trots right along. Little guy. And when I get into the toolbox, he wants in the toolbox. I get on the creeper to get underneath the vehicle. He wants on the creeper to get under the vehicle. So you lay him down, push him under there, and his eyes bug out. And Wow. He just follows. He's not doing anything. He just follows. He's just there. He's not a participant. He's just there. That's all. Peter followed, and he followed afar off. He was just there to observe. He was just there to see. He wasn't really interested. He was not interested in being a participant. He only wanted to see what was going on. But in this Hebrew passage, the word follow peace with all men, it really means to pursue Now, the word pursue would indicate that a person or something is chasing or seeking. Some translations use the word pursue instead of follow. And as I read those translations and I see it, I kind of like the word pursue a little bit more than follow because in my mind I'm still stuck back here with Peter followed afar off. But when we find it, what we find here in the, in the Hebrew letter, in the Hebrew passage, it indicates more than that. There is, a, a, there is a pursuit, a chasing or a seeking after. But also, you could use the word ensue. And I kind of like that word a little better because the word ensue means to strive to attain. Not just simply chase or follow after in that sense of seeking, but striving to attain. Another meaning of the word follow here in Hebrews would be to press toward. You see, that sets the standard pretty high because there's more action in this word, follow. There's more intentionality in this word, follow. It takes us on a deeper effort and a more focused focus for this word, follow. Pursue peace with your fellow men. Ensue peace with your fellow men. Press toward peace with your fellow men. And so I would conclude with this simple question. Peace, it's a wonderful thing. God came to give us peace, but then he also wants us to be living in peace. So this simple question. Do you have some troubled relationships that need fixed? 
this Christmas season? Do you have some troubled relationships that need fixed this Christmas season? My peace, Jesus said, I leave with you, not as the world gives, but it's his peace. Let's stand together. God help us. Thank you for your attendance. Thank you for your attention. Trust God will bless you today with his presence and help. Don't forget our services tonight. Let's come back expecting to be in his presence again. Praise God. Praise God. Vaughn, would you dismiss us in prayer?